The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson taking a stroll around the NL Central today. Also going to be grading out our latest rapper on the 20 to 80 scouting scale, DMX, who was your original choice for last week. I kind of asked that we put him off, but I think it's time. Uh, and it looks like we're going to have some debate uh, when it comes to DMX's tools. Uh, but the Central, definitely an intriguing division, even with all the promotions last year. Absolutely stocked with with exciting uh, prospects 
it's at the major league level, not only in real life but fantasy as well. Yeah, I don't. I don't think any of these systems are among the top one or two for for fantasy assets. But I think this division as a whole might have the most mm-hmm. prospect talent in it of any division in baseball. Yeah, and I mean we'll start with the Cubs too. And again, they were the team that graduated the most uh, upper echelon, top tier type of talent. But you look at their the, the top of their farm system, still very impressive. Still help on the way. We'll start with Ian Happ. Uh, definitely a guy that I find intriguing. 21 years old at high A. Does he have the makeup and the ability to move quickly, even though he's still at the lower levels, uh, move quickly and contribute by maybe 2017? I think he could, but I don't think he will because the Cubs don't need him to. Like If this was a, a different team, maybe you'd see that. But they just have no holes whatsoever. I mean, maybe maybe you could say center field's a hole, but they have other options that are closer than, than Hap for that, and he's not really uh, a guy that I think profiles in center field long term. So he's he's pretty advanced, obviously, for for being a college bat. He's, he's probably going to spend a good chunk of the season at double A, but I, I think he's going to be kind of kept down just because they're, they're not going to have anywhere to play him. Let's talk for a second about some of those guys that did graduate because even though they're not technically prospects anymore, definitely players that you know the fantasy industry buzzing about and players or you know more casual owners too are certainly intrigued about and want to know which way they should go if they should pay up that extra dollar or jump up that extra round to land them. Among you know Chris Bryant, Addison Russell, Kyle Schwarber, Jorge Soler, Javier Baez, are you in on pretty much all those guys this year in standard season long? I'm not a Solaire guy. Uh, never really have been, so I'm, I'm probably out on him, especially relative to where he gets picked. But I think I'm the high man on Brian on our round table. I'm one of the high men along with you with with Schwarber. Uh, Baez, I think, is probably my my favorite guy to draft in in leagues that doesn't currently have a place to play on his big league roster. And then Addison Russell. You know, the more I the more I kind of think about it, he might be my, you know, assuming I don't get Correa, although I'm gonna try to get Correa in as many places mm-hmm. as possible. Assuming I don't get Correa, Russell might be the guy that I end up with the most at shortstop, just because his stock is that. Like, I think you can make a case that he should be going. Like, it would it surprise you at all if he outperformed Lindor by? A, a legit margin this year I mean it was you know fl- flashback to like a year ago everyone would have taken Russell over Lindor mm-hmm. for fantasy and and I don't think a ton has changed talent wise I mean Lindor flashed more power than we thought he would last year but I'd, I'd take Russell to hit more homers than Lindor this year uh the the hit tool is going to be kind of important for Russell but I don't think Lindor is going to be a, a long-term speed monster so so russell isn't going to lose much ground to him there either so i think if if you can get russell in the kind of 110 to 140 range or something like that in drafts then that that more than makes up for missing out on like you know seager and lindor are going in the 40s and 50s <laughs> then let me let me just wait on russell yeah i like that call as well because you know, I, I don't know. I would be a little surprised if he outperformed Lindor by a, a really wide margin, but I think it could be relatively close. The only thing I worry about with Russell is 
you know, is he going to be stuck down in the nine hole batting behind the pitcher again? But even if so, I mean, I think he has the power to more than make up for it. And, you know, even if he's not swiping a lot of bags, maybe the base paths are clogged a little bit in front of him. But at the same time, has the power. You mentioned the ADP. And, yeah, if we're going to give that positional scarcity bonus to all the other young, talented shortstops, like, we got to do that for Russell. I think I think Russell could – it's it's realistic that he could outperform Lindor and Seager and Bogarts this year. Like, I wouldn't wow. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all because mm-hmm. the, the talent – is is kind of similar i mean he was extremely young he was rushed last year still held his own uh you know batting in the nine hole sucks because you're going to miss out on a plate appearance or two every week but it's not that bad on the cubs because you're going to still get a ton of runs because of the guys they have batting one two and three you're still going to have plenty of rbi opportunities because of the guys they have batting six seven and eight or six seven or five six seven so uh not as bad on the cubs as as on most teams yeah and i pretty much agree uh, i'm not a big solar guy i still think his adp is reasonable uh and i definitely am in on those other guys i, I think russell though may be the guy that's the biggest bargain among that bunch currently uh but your best bet among this this system for 2016 is wilson Contreras, who. Uh, we got to see only, I think, for a couple at-bats in the fall. Like, then he pulled up mm-hmm. the hammy injury, uh, which was unfortunate. But he is an exciting player. Plus, I mean, M- Miguel Montero, the only really thing that's standing between him and, and Major League at-bats, Kyle Schwarber not expected to see a lot of time behind the plate, of course, this year. Well, what is the skill set with Contreras and uh, maybe some Major League comps you can offer up? So I don't really think anybody on the Cubs is a good bet for 2016, so I wouldn't recommend drafting Contreras in any but like a really, really deep two-catcher league where you're punting the position and you take him with your last or second-to-last pick. But because I just I don't see him coming up until, you know, maybe maybe around the All-Star break. But he's he's going to be a guy that hits for a high average and – you know, maybe maybe hits 10, 12 homers. So that's that kind of isn't enticing at all at most positions, but a catcher that that gets you that's that's a top 10 catcher, you know, mm-hmm. if you hit for a high average and get to double digit homers over a full season. So, you know, maybe he offers Francisco Cervelli like production right away, uh, especially considering that if you're the catcher on the Cubs and you're not Kyle Schwarber, you're going to be batting really low in the order. But Long term, there there might be some some John Lucroy potential here, where it's just really kind of solid across the board. But again, you're going to be batting lower in the order than Lucroy ever was in Milwaukee. So, I like him as a as a really safe option at catcher. I mean, not not many catching prospects I would throw a safe tag on, but I, I definitely would with him. Yeah, and if, especially if you're in a dynasty keeper league, we've talked about this not only in the podcast but on the XM show several times. Just how bad catching position is and if yeah if you're in a keeper league 17 team like our staff keeper league two uh the inflated price at catcher he's a guy that maybe you can get for a couple bucks late in an auction or with an early reserve round pick can pay significant dividends and you know maybe guys like jacob nottingham uh, some of the younger maybe potentially more upside options behind the plate go before him Contreras makes for a real nice grab if you can get him maybe late first round in a reserve in the first round of a reserve uh draft yeah i i think 
he's he's kind of in a weird spot. He doesn't have the upside of Nottingham. Uh, he's probably going to get beat to the big leagues by guys like like I mean Tom Murphy and Gary Sanchez have already uh, gotten a taste. So I mean he's not he's kind of in that middle ground of not a ton of upside, not going to start the year on the roster or going to be really close to to getting big league at bats. But I still think he's. Easy top five prospect at the position long term. Another guy we've talked about in the past, Albert Almora. Just real quickly, uh, not a guy who you think should be owned and or kept in most keeper leagues that keep 150 or so prospects. Uh, is the ceiling really just kind of apparent at this point that he's never going to be a, a high impact fantasy guy? Yeah, I don't see that. I could see maybe some 275 seasons with a dozen homers but I I don't really see it with the Cubs I think he's trade bait I mean a lot of the guys on this list honestly are trade bait because they just don't have anywhere to put these guys he he plays center field which is their weakest position so in a sense if they if they were to deal a guy like Solaire maybe he is a stopgap at center but you know Billy McKinney's close to, and Eddie Julio Martinez profiles in center long term. So it's just I don't know. He he's he made the list because he's he doesn't have any huge flaws, and he's he's relatively advanced. He's going to go to AAA this year, and he's only 21 years old. So I mean that's that's impressive, but I just don't see a ton of upside long term. That's interesting. We'll move on. This and this is why this division is so fun to cover is because uh, our teams in this. Uh, in this division, I'm a Reds fan. You're a Brewers fan. We'll start with the Reds, uh, my team. And I was glad to see you had Robert Stevenson still as most upside. And you say that uh, I basically not... I basically crap on him for like yeah, six sentences. Yeah, you crapped on him, but you then... said <laughs> no, no, you said, said at the same yeah. time there's still a non-zero <laughs> chance that he's an ace. Uh, so uh, it's good to see. I have him in our and actually in both staff keeper leagues. Not a guy who's getting a lot of bites. No, no. No, and he shouldn't, honestly. Uh he's he's got let's see, what was it? He, 287 and a third innings at double A AA and triple A, and he still has the command issues. So to me that's that's just such a big sample size and he's had multiple cracks at these levels trying to trying to like, straighten that out. It's possible that like I think you know, there's a there's a chance he could just be a number three starter that we're always kind of waiting on to take that next step, you know, like maybe mm. an AJ Burnett type of guy. Uh but I I'd I think at that point I'd almost rather see what I had in him as a closer because I think he's got having two plus pitches, maybe two plus plus pitches out of the bullpen, that could just be dynamite you know he could he could do like Dylan Batances type stuff out of the yeah. bullpen so it, it's it'd be tempting at that point to just just move him to a relief role so I think that either either an underwhelm a guy that we're always kind of left disappointed in in the rotation or a shutdown reliever are the two most likely options but sometimes it does just take guys a while you know I mean you you look at even a guy like Clayton Kershaw, you look at his command back in the upper levels and even in his first couple seasons in the big leagues, the command wasn't really there. That was the big knock on him, and then he kind of figured it out. So it's not impossible for him to kind of turn it turn it around there. And if he does make a stride there, then we are looking at a pretty special arm. A guy who's been 
hanging around the top of Red's prospect list for several years, down to fourth in the organization on your list here. Still, yeah, exciting. I think, yeah, as a kind of a floor of a guy who could be a closer, still think that's still appealing in yeah, fantasy. Now's sure. not the, probably the time to trade him, uh, especially I, when there's well, very little interest. So there's no interest in, like, your league. Yeah. I could still see, you know, I mean, I haven't, I can't remember where he's at on, like, the the top 100 lists that have come out from MLB.com and, and Baseball America and stuff like that. But I'm guessing he's MLB. not. MLB.com, he was, like, 37. Yeah, so they're not, yeah. like, if you could get a top 50 prospect for him, I would do that right now. <laughs> so I think that that, in, in the majority of Dynasty Leagues, I still think you could get a top 50 guy back for him right now. Because on all those lists, I think the non, the, not our list, but most of the lists, I think you could uh, still see him. You could point to the fact that he's ranked in the 30s or the 40s. So uh, I, I would shop him around right now, see if you can get a, a top 50 guy back. Otherwise, your hands are kind of tied. Yeah, I, I'm agreeing with you. And I mean, your your rankings are, are hurting his value, man. Come on. You're not <laughs> yeah, doing yeah, me that, any favors. That's, that's why you can't move him because <laughs> these are both staffers. Because all, yeah, all the staffers are looking at your ranking. Yeah. No, um, I've had him for several years yeah. since you traded, I traded him, him to him. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not going to just <laughs> abandon ship now. That was a hard hard guy to part with back then. Too. Yeah, I remember you were really out of the I was shook up. Some of the names ahead of Stevenson <laughs> on your rankings here Jesse Winker, Cody Reed, who, of course, came over in the. Uh, Johnny Cueto deal and Jose Peraza, who's also a, a trade acquisition last year. I want to talk about Winker because he's interesting. I know Jeff Erickson and his outlook he wrote up for Winker kind of called him a poor man's Joey Votto. I, I kind of see that, of course. I don't think he's, you know, even a poor man's Joey Votto, quite frankly. But see a guy who could hit for a high average, give you, you know, maybe 20 homers in his peak? Yeah. I, I don't know. Vado's Vado's uh, kind of a crazy guy, in like a guy that I would be kind of scared to comp anyone to, just because you're almost never gonna find a guy with that kind of approach. Yeah, it's exactly. just it's just an unheard of approach, really. Uh, but I, I see where he's going with that comp. Like I mean, just like a really really steady hitter, a guy who isn't gonna get himself out and offers a little bit of everything you know last year could have been Vado's you know one of one of Vado's career years so uh yeah I could see it I mean last year in the second half Winker hit 316 426 516 so that that first half really kind of dragged down his numbers hit 10 homers in, in 63 games in the second half so definitely a guy who maybe if people are just evaluating just based on the overall numbers, maybe a guy you could buy low, buy a little low on, but I, I still don't, I don't see him. You know, we've been talking. I, we were talking going into to last season that maybe we'd see Winker in 2015, and yeah, with the hole in left field, I thought. I, I just, I'm not even sure we see him this year. To be honest, it's just it doesn't, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me to rush him up, especially considering that he he's been a guy that you know. At Double A, it took him a while to kind of master the league. Mm-hmm. I could see him struggling again in his first taste of Triple A, and if that's the case, I definitely don't think we see him because what's the point? I mean, the Reds, the Reds have been really slow to kind of embrace the rebuild, mm-hmm. and but now I think they they have realized yeah. that they yeah. are rebuilding. So you have to be smart with a guy like Winker. It doesn't make sense to push him. 
if uh, unless he's just he, he could force their hand if he if he murders AAA pitching in the first half, and sure we'll see him in the second half, but not a guy that I, I would be targeting in single season leagues. Yeah, I'm with you now. Before we really dove into this, you said this is an this division maybe doesn't have a team that has a top one or two farm system, but the Reds are right there. I'd say among the top five, and I, I think you'd agree. Um, Actually, I don't. I I wouldn't have them top five. I don't think you because have I, the Reds because of the lack of top end. Top yeah, end. yeah. I don't see. I I think the the Brewers probably have the best system in this division. I'd probably I'd probably take the Cubs over the Reds too. But I, I think I'd have the Reds third ahead of the Pirates and the Cardinals here. It's interesting. Now, again, not a lot of top end like marquee uh, talent in this system. But you look at that top ten, and there's a lot of risk there, but there's a lot of potential as well. Amir Garrett's a guy that I, I really like. Of course, he's only been focusing on baseball for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Was a star basketball player, uh, I think at Syracuse or something. Maybe not a star player, but a player. He's a guy that has all the athleticism you look for, uh, and that being able to re- kind of repeat that delivery and the control. I think was was a little better this year. Looking forward to seeing if he takes a next step. Is he a guy that? you're going to maybe be targeting as a guy that you may have to wait on a little while, but could pay big dividends. Yeah, it it would have to be a pretty uh, – it would probably have to be a shallower league for him to be available. I don't know if he's available in, in our staff keeper league too, but the the highlight of the system is the high upside arms. They have mm-hmm. four guys in this system that have the ceiling of uh, at least a number two starter. With Curie Mella and Robert Stevenson, I think that's a very low – probability that they become number twos but Garrett I, I think he's you know gosh lefty with with that kind of fastball and that kind of athleticism just really projectable so I don't look at his age like you said don't look at the fact that he's 23 and and think of him as kind of a a slow bloomer I mean he's he's actually doing very well I'd kind of compare him to Braden Schif- Shipley a little bit in that that regard where the age isn't a good representation of how far along he is developmentally yeah. so I like I like Garrett a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if if he's a guy that jumps into the top fifty at the midseason point. That's interesting. Yeah, I think I think he is available in SKL too, and uh, I'm sure that'll be rectified. Maybe even in, no, not in the auction. Some people like to get a little wild and Hell, buy uh, buy prospects. No, he's not a guy you bet. You on. don't think Topper Topper do that? Topper Topper dude, broke my heart. Topper, look, I. He's one of those guys that I he frustrates the hell out of me, but I respect him. I mean, he's oh, yeah. been he's the best the title. He's, he's like, been the best owner twice. in the league yeah. for two years running, and it's not fluky. I mean, he makes really good calls. The guys that he bids on in auction that really piss you off are good guys that he's right about. You know, yeah. so I and he's not. The most frustrating thing too, maybe, is that he's winning. He won last year, and I think without selling it, yeah, any without of his pieces. Yeah. yeah, so it's that's the most frustrating part. Yeah, it really is. Uh, we'll move on to your Brewers. I'll let you gloat here for a little while. This farm system is really impressive, uh, looking all the more impressive after some of the trades they made in the last calendar year. Uh, Orlando Garcia, a top year rankings, a guy who's been a, a high riser over the past year, year and a half, uh, among the industry rankings in, in general. Gene Segura now gone. I think he, I saw that you added him to your top 350, didn't you? Did you add, yeah. add Arcia? And it's it's funny because I didn't have him. I think I had him as like a a long shot in the tiered rankings that are in the mag, mm-hmm. just because I I 
I knew it was possible that they'd trade Segura, but I also just sort of thought, you know, they'd if they traded him, that basically means that they think his value could get even worse because I, I thought they might try to reestablish his value and then trade him. And in that case, it, it might have made sense to just keep RC at AAA for most of the year. But now that they traded Segura, it's awfully hard to see them holding Arcia down very long because, you know, I know I know Melvin's not the GM anymore, but there were comments at the end of last year that they really don't care about the service time issues with Arcia as long as he shows that he's ready. And I, I do believe that because the Brewers really care about drawing fans. Like, they're not – they're embracing the rebuild, but they're not embracing it at all costs. You know, they're not going to just continue to to run out quad A guys at at the expense of having nobody in the seat. So I think our, our delaying clocks, right? I think Garcia is a guy that's going to prove that he's ready in May or June, come up, play every day for them, and be pretty successful right away. Yeah, I saw that. And again, that you added him to your top top three hundred fifty players for twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Considered it, and I might have to think harder about it because, uh, yeah, if he were to get that opportunity, especially at that and, position, of course. And he's not really, he's not really blocked. Let's yeah. put it that way. I mean, <laughs> Jonathan yeah. Villar, uh, Yadiel yes. Rivera. I mean, it's it's not. There's not much going on there. Not a lot to see. Lot to see. To see. To see. <laughs> see it tied for your best bet for 2016 with Jorge Lopez, who you've been touting. For a while, what's the skill set with him, and does he have a rotation spot to start the year, do you think? No, not not to start the year, because they have, you know, the, one of the things that happened in that Segura trade is they got Chase Anderson, who, if if nothing else, I think it's safe to say that he's a back-end big league starter. Uh, maybe not on a contender, but on a team like the Brewers, I think he's he's easily a guy that should be in that rotation this season. They obviously probably saw something their scouting department did with him that makes them think there might even be a little bit more there. So then you have a guy like Zach Davies who probably gets bumped out. And so, uh, yeah, there's just not a spot for Lopez to start the year. But I could easily see something happening with Garza where they just decide that they're better off telling him to go home kind of like they did at the end of last year (laughs) or or they just buy him out and they're not this new uh, regime hasn't been against spending money to to kind of get talent into the mix you know they they took on that Aaron Hill contract to to get some talent into the system I could see them just paying guards to go away I mean a spot's going to open up someone might get hurt so I think Lopez legitimately once he gets into that rotation could be the best pitcher in that rotation the rest of the way he's got uh two plus pitches he the people wonder about his control and that's that's pretty fair but i I just love his delivery it's it's really it's really easy i think he's just got one of those great starters bodies and I, i think he could be this year's joe ross where you know non prospect savvy fantasy owners aren't even really aware of the guy and then all of a sudden he's up he's in the rotation and then he's pitching like a number three starter for the rest of the season I think he could kind of kind of be that guy so he's definitely a guy maybe maybe you don't draft him but uh, definitely a guy for watch lists yeah absolutely a guy ideal kind of fab target maybe you mm-hmm. set aside you know five to ten even a guy the start of the season Just a guy that, that you probably want to target I mean the key to Fab with prospects, mm-hmm. if your league allows it, is a guy that you you buy them before they get the call. When Absolutely. you kind of 
read the tea leaves and, and see, oh, this guy's just murdering AAA hitting right now. you got to get out ahead of the market. Right. Really that, that's you how you did profit. that last year right. in stake really well. You know, you get them for a dollar or two. Mm-hmm. And the next week, you know, they get called up midweek, and the next week they're going in other leagues for mm-hmm. 30 40 bucks. Right. So, yeah, that's definitely the way to go. And I think your Farm Futures pieces, this podcast, is a great way to stay up on those type of guys. Uh, and I, I do mean that. Uh, so thank you for, for your work. I, I need to be better about that and stay. Got to eat this year. Uh, we'll jump to the Pirates. Now, this is this is a team that does have a couple uh, potential impact prospects for this season. Tyler Glassnow and Josh Bell. We'll start with Glassnow. The, the team has said he's not going to make the opening day roster, essentially. Uh, so they're going to keep him down. I was hoping to see him up at the end of last year even, but some control issues still lingering. Strikeout upside through the roof, though. Million-dollar question really is when when do we see Glassnow? You know, the Pirates – Maybe more so than any team other than the Twins and the Pirates. The Pirates actually usually are right about when they call guys up. You know, I remember the the Gregory Polanco thing from a couple of years ago. Everyone was just begging for him to call him up, and then it it you know it was clear that he was it was good that he was up, but he wasn't that game changer that everyone was like thinking he might have been. So I, I trust them to make the right call. You know, Twins are a different story there, but. Uh, Glassnow to me has the ETA of of maybe May mid May, and with that, I think he should be the third pitching prospect taken in single season leagues behind Stephen Matz and Jose Barrios. Just because you know if you're if you're betting on a a high upside arm that could come up in the first four or five six weeks, I think Glassnow. I mean, he should be up. I mean, look at look at John Neese, look at Jeff Locke. Ryan Vogel song. Yeah, look at him. Look at him. <laughs> look at him. Take a take, take a, a long, long look because <laughs> those are the guys that are going to be in that rotation to start the year. Yeah. So it's it's a matter of when, not if, that he's up in the first half this year. Yeah, I agree. Now Bell, the guy. Now they got the Jaso Morse platoon. I guess well, to look start at look the at them year. too. Look at look at <laughs> look, and you'll you won't see much. But Bell's getting some buzz. He's a, a player that I think we saw. I think I got to see him at the Fall League in 2014 briefly, but it, not enough to make any big conclusions. But like what I saw, liked what I saw, and I think he's a guy that you know, he's 23, not going to have the job to start, but uh, could come up and play pretty regularly if, if that platoon falls apart or one of those guys gets injured. Uh, but does he have the power at, at that first base position that owners are going to be expecting of him? He's my favorite player in the system, just just personally. Like I, I just love him long term and everything. But the reason he's behind glass now is because I don't think there's any there's no way to say that that power is going to be there right away. Like I, I think Bell actually beats Glass now. I, you know, I every year I do the kind of that piece, you know, where it lay out, you know, this is the date when a team can call a guy up and gain that extra year of control. Chris Bryant was the obvious guy last year that we knew he wasn't going to be up until I think it was like the, the third week of April because that way the Cubs got an extra year of control on him. I think I think Bell's that guy this year, or at least one of those guys, because that Jason Morse platoon, it's it's that's so bad. You know, you can't you can't compete you know the Brewers proved this a few years ago. You can't be a competitive team if you're taking a zero at first base, basically, mm-hmm. and that's that's what they're in line to do without Bell. I still think that he's going to hit 
when he gets there, like for, for a high average. I mean, this is a guy that just can rake uh, all fields. And the power could show up sooner than expected, too. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he hit like 290 with 15 homers this year. But even then, I mean, at first base, that's not all that great. I mean, that's basically like Adam Lind production. So I like him, but I, I don't think he's as close to being a star as a lot of guys that are close to the big leagues. Austin Meadows, you have third in the organization. He's a guy, probably one of the more impressive prospects of this year at the Fall League. Just looked the part. Jameson Tyon, number four. Alan Hansen, five. Now, Hansen, he's 23. He's a guy that I'm definitely throwing back in our keeper league. That's no uh, secret. But is he a guy that really is just kind of a utility-type player? Or Me- do you think Meadows? No, I'm sorry, oh, Alan Hansen. Oh, Alan Hansen, sorry. Uh, he's actually got a really nice – a much better situation than I thought he'd have. You know, I used to say about him, like, Neil Walker's under contract through this year, so at best we'll, we'll see Hanson in 2017. But now, with especially with uh, – there's been – I've heard rumblings that gone could be out till June. Wow, really? Like, there, there's, there's two kind of – I mean, I've, I've just heard all over the map on him. Whereas, like, there's some people that think he could be ready in early April. There's some people that think it could linger into late May, early June. And, you know, the other guy is Jordy Mercer. So, and Josh Harrison. I mean, those guys aren't going to, I mean, Gong's the only one who's legitimately going to play every day and earn those at bats. So I think Hansen figures into that mix at least in April. And if he's playing, I think he can play a really solid second base, definitely a better second base than Josh Harrison can. So, I'm not a big Harrison guy at all. I mean, if that power doesn't return, mm-hmm. I mean, he's versatile, but right. I, I don't really think they're going to let him continue to struggle. And and so, you know, Hanson could be, you know, I took him in my NFBC draft just because I was desperate for some sort of late late round speed. And if he's getting, say, he gets 300 at bats this year, that could be 15, 20 steals. So. It's interesting. I, I thought you were kind of souring on him, but I, the situation I, I am is kind of favorable. Long term, I don't. I don't yeah. like Hanson at all. Long term, like I don't think he's going to be an everyday option for them, like five years from now, or even three years from now, probably. But uh, just in the short term, this year, I think he's a guy that definitely needs to be considered at the end of drafts. Now the Cardinals' top prospect, Alex Reyes, suspended. He was at the Fall League, but left. Shortly before we got there, because he was suspended, was it 50 games for, for smoking mm-hmm. pot? Mm-hmm. Where there's smoke, there's more smoke. <laughs> um, but he is still, I mean, the arsenal is outstanding. Uh, you think he has SP1 potential, as you mentioned here. Is he, is he the number three prospect in all of baseball, even with that ETA pitch Number three pitching prospect. Sorry, yeah, 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 he is. He is for me. I think mm-hmm. after, nobody's going to argue about Giolito, number one. Nobody's going to argue about your your IS number two. And then every, everyone kind of has their own guy there. I mean, some people like Glass now there. Uh, some people like Barrios. I love Barrios, but to me it's Reyes. Just the strikeouts are insane. And, yeah, that, that walk rate is a little high. Like you might say, like, well, why are you dogging Bobby Stevenson for his command issues when Reyes was posting fairly high walk rates as well? But Reyes did that in just brief tastes of these levels. You know, he's shooting up the system and having command issues, and nobody's touching him. Nobody's, you know, it's, these are, it's 
he can throw the ball basically wherever he wants because he knows that he's going to either get a strikeout or you know get out get outs to get out of the inning. He's not allowing runs. Those walks aren't turning into big innings because he can miss bats kind of at will. And I just think it's it's going to be nasty sooner than later. He'll probably be up in 2016, but I I would expect that to maybe be when rosters expand in September, and and it could be a relief role based on team need at the time but i think you'll be in the rotation for the majority of 2017 now mentioned that didn't get to see reyes we did get to see luke weaver uh, for a start down in arizona he looked particularly impressive i thought you have him fifth uh, in the organizational ranks there but for 2016 you have tim cooney but you also mentioned marco gonzalez who was a guy i was kind of high on it going into last year as a guy you could maybe see have some sneaky value, maybe see some starts late in the year, but battled shoulder issues throughout most of the year. Uh, what gives Cooney the edge over Gonzalez in your mind? Well, so the the, the Reds, I was kind of touting all the high upside arms they have. The Cardinals, after Reyes, have just a ton of low upside arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gonzalez and Cooney both fall into that category, but... Decent you know, floors, if though. you look at their their ceilings, they're very similar. I mean, nobody Gonzalez was thought of as a pretty safe guy. That's why he was a top 100 prospect last year. He wasn't thought of as a high upside guy because I mean, changeups his best pitch, uh, commands a really big part of his game. He struggled mightily in his first uh, handful of innings in the big leagues. Whereas Cooney, on the other hand, was excellent. You know, I mean, he was basically pitching like a number three starter. So. You know that that has to count for something when the when the floor and the ceiling are the same basically on paper with these two guys. I'm willing to just defer to which which guy was able to get big league hitters out, and that was that was Cooney, and it wasn't even close. So I think if you see a spot open up in that rotation, uh, I think Cooney gets the nod over guys like Tyler Lyons and Gonzalez, which is why I have him ranked third in the system. I, I mean. It's not a great system. It's probably the the worst system in the division, even though Reyes is the best prospect in the division, just because a lot of this ranking for the Cardinals is just based on who can help you now. Like Cooney could easily be 9 or 10 if I didn't think he'd get the first crack in 2016 if a, if a spot opens up. The number six prospect on your rankings here, Manuri Sierra, he's a guy I'm going to be watching closely this year. A lot of tools, but a 19 still pretty raw and really flopped in his first assignment mm-hmm. to, with a full-season uh, affiliate. Let's see if he can uh, respond and, and bounce back and make the adjustments necessary. Well, we'll, we'll st- grade out DMX. We'll f- finish up the show with that. Thank you for joining us. Uh, DMX is an artist that I was pretty about when he, when It's Dark and Hell's Hot was out. and some of his Everyone was about DMX yeah, back in, in 98, man. Come just on. Just busting out that bark. Uh, he listen, took, he was he was a superstar, maybe the biggest superstar in rap at the time. Like, there's only a handful of guys that have jumped on the scene and immediately just taken the top spot yeah. in terms of of running running stuff. And uh, <laughs> you know, DMX, one of those guys, Eminem, Fifty Cent. I mean, there's only a, a really small handful of guys that just burst onto the scene, and it's like, all right, I'm in I'm in the top spot. And DMX. Let me, here's a trivia before we get into the grades for you. Uh, he was the second, only the second rapper in, in history to release two albums in the same calendar year that debuted at number one. 
wow. with with flesh of my flesh blood of my blood and then it's dark and hell is hot who was who was the other guy and it was a guy from 96 from 96 two albums in the same year mm-hmm. master p uh tupac actually oh, with nice. all eyes on me and and the seven day theory but i thought i thought p did it maybe it was 97 with ghetto d and uh they might oh not God, have. They, they probably both got to one, but uh, they might not yeah. have opened at one. Yeah, but looking anyways, at this yeah. list, though, DMX. Wow, he had five number one records. That's Hell pretty yeah. impressive. Uh, <laughs> really impressive. And hey, listen, maybe time has warped my memory. Maybe I've things have changed a little bit as I've gotten older. I still enjoy some of his music, uh, but there are also songs that I liked when I was younger that I look back on and think. Kind of scratch my head a little bit. Uh, it's just not what I prefer to listen to nowadays. So, uh, yeah, no, okay. So I'm I'm with you. Like if I, I and I see where you're coming from. If I had maybe graded him out two or three years ago, I think I would have crapped on him pretty hard here. <laughs> but I kind of realized, just kind of accidentally, I, I was listening to his first two albums as I was importing some stuff into my new computer. And those two actually hold up really well. I think, I I think uh, you can maybe make a case for, and then there was X holding up, but uh, definitely the ones like great depression and on, I think that those records all are kind of corny. And and at that point, his whole style and everything was played out. Mm -hmm. But I do think his first two hold up, and yeah, they do. I also think he's the Rough Riders. Yeah, I mean he's he's unique because, or I guess he's interesting to rank or to to grade out because he's so unique. Like everything about him is it's not like he was copying anyone. I think there's I could be wrong about this, but I I think it's possible that he didn't even he wasn't even like a rap fan. Like it's not like I don't yeah. DMX wasn't growing up with like, like Eric Siegel. B in the in the trunk he or anything like that. Fan. You know yeah, he exactly. just showed up with his own completely uninfluenced style and just yeah. took things over, which I which I really respect. And yeah, that's that's a good point because I was thinking the other day that, you know, part of rap for me isn't just, you know, the lyricisms and the beat, the lyr you know, the complexity of the lyrics, but also authenticity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the reason why, I mean, we've talked about it struggle for me to get into some of these newer artists who oh, have like a oh, gang yeah. of 60 ghostwriters right or just yeah i mean it's, it's so fake, so yeah. produced yeah. and so commercial commercialized yeah. yeah i mean dmx so let's get into it so yeah so. Uh, well let me first just say for anybody who's unfamiliar with our grading system 20 to 80 scouting scale five tools we've we've decided uh as kind of the core tools for for hip-hop artists lyricism flow longevity Impact, swag, and overall grade. Sorry to interrupt you, James. So lyricism for me, I, I threw a 40 on it. Uh, I don't think even DMX's biggest fan, unless they're just someone who doesn't like rap and just happens to like DMX, I don't think they'd argue that he's a good lyricist. Yeah, I got a 30 on it. Yeah, I think you could anywhere from like 30 to 45, I think, would be defensible. I gave him a 40 just because I think his style – like mm. he's not even really trying to be lyrically good. Yeah, exactly. You know? That is <laughs> I mean, true. He's just he's just rapping basically about the same thing in every song, like about how he's gonna mess you up. Yeah, like, <laughs> and his dog. Yeah, and party. like don't come at him. If you do, you know you're not gonna like what you what you get. This is very true, and that's why you know 
it's all about flow, really, with DMX. I got a 65 plus tool, uh, borderline plus plus. You got a 70. That that did carry him, and it, it was a unique flow for the time. I, I, yeah, I I threw a 70 on it just because he was all flow. Mm-hmm. Like without without his flow, he was literally nothing. Like he wasn't yeah. gonna nothing was gonna happen to DMX in the music industry without that flow. Even oh. if it was just like slightly a tick or two below. Like I just don't think mm-hmm. anything's happening there. I mean, he just that was brought the tool it. that got him to the show, you right? Know it, I mean? You know, it's like uh, it's like Billy Hamilton. Yeah, it's like a Raldis Chapman's fastball. You know, I mean, he's not. <laughs> He's nothing without it. So, yeah. yeah, Billy Hamilton's speed, exactly. So it's just a, a big-time carrying tool for him and not a flow that is even du- – uh, it can't be duplicated, really. really There's can't. nobody else that's even really close to it. Yeah. And if you tried to duplicate it, everyone would just call you for biting instantly. Oh, yeah. And it'd be, yeah, it'd be so obvious. Uh, that gravelly voice, the bark, every, everything about his, the yelling, his delivery. Like, yeah. like yelling in the rap, you yeah. know. classic yelling his raps basically classic stuff longevity i got a 40 now you mentioned he had what well i think we counted there were like five number one albums Mm -hmm. as far as debuting uh some of those like the great depression the grand champ i listened to the great depression the grand champ i don't think i or grand champ i don't think i ever listened to uh i did the window wasn't that that wide but i think uh, i'm with you in that I think now I can finally get to, to where I can appreciate DMX for what he was and not try to hold him on a pedestal mm-hmm. and, and compare him to some of my favorite artists of all time. He's kind of like that manager or a coach who comes in with that just really sort of in-your-face uh, kind of attitude that can you know whip a clubhouse into shape, but then after year three or four, everyone just starts tuning him out because mm. it's the same message over and over again. Matt Williams, sure. Well, <laughs> Matt Williams would have been you would have gotten through the first four tracks and started tuning yeah, him out. That's true. Uh, but yeah, I mean it, it's uh, it's not a style that held up well over time. But I think the fact that he you know, started Rough Riders and some Macs were able to kind of be kept alive through that. And, and that know, probably goes a long way towards your 60s impact grade as well. Right. So, yeah, Longevity, five albums that all went platinum or better. I, I threw a 50 on the Longevity. Impact threw a 60 on it just because, like I said, I mean, only a less, less than, a, you know, less than four or five guys have impacted the game that quickly and that intensely just with their debut that's true i got a 50 on that uh, compared to your 60 for impact you're right he did come on the scene and made a big impact and really even though the the music is kind of written off laughed at uh to a large extent by the younger generation uh he's still talked about today mm-hmm. and you know you're still at a party you'll still hear you know a random da max song Every now and then, I think. Well, yeah, you, like I think the the two that you hear would be like "Party Up in Here" and "Rough Riders Probably, Anthem." Yeah. Like those two are those hold up pretty well. Like "Rough Riders Anthem" for what they be, are, right? I mean, you're gonna hear "Rough Riders Anthem" at at parties five, ten years from now. So, the swag grades gotten dinged a little bit by recent perception. I know DMX had you know had some ups and downs in recent years. Got a forty-five. He, you know. He had some swag back in the day, but it wasn't really. It was more kind of like badass swag. Mm-hmm. He's like uh, sort of an action, an action villain, basically. <laughs> like, 
Uh, With the dog on the chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it was his swag. It was just mm-hmm. DMX DMX swag. I mean, he's he's not a guy that ever really should have been entrusted to make any sort of decisions with money um <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that he's very much like a lot of the you know basketball players from the 90s and stuff like that with just just burning through cash and probably doesn't even know where most of it went uh so i'm sure he's he's kind of a a sad man these days but yeah you know it's he's a tale of a lot of hip-hop artists and a lot of athletes too. yeah I, I had a so, 45 for the overall grade i'm gonna bump it to 50 you got a 55 do a 55 on it i'm I'm a little lower than you, but I do think he you deserves know, to be up. Fifty-five means you you probably made a couple all-star yeah. teams in your career, which is which is where I feel like DMX is. Yeah, I'm completely with you because he probably got a couple MVP votes in that uh, that 1998 yeah, season. Short peak, but uh, yeah, t- a top five finish, maybe number five in the MVP voting. That'll do it for us. If you have a, an artist you want us to grade in the future, or any prospects you want us to hit on next week, let us know at Real JR Anderson. I'm at Clay W Link on Twitter. Thanks, guys. We'll be back next Thursday. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.